On this podcast, we've talked to senators, congressmen, statewide officials, diplomats, academics, business entrepreneurs, and religious scholars. But we've never talked to an NCAA basketball coach until now. Bruce Pearl isn't just the head coach of the Auburn Tigers men's basketball team. He's also a vocal supporter of Israel, taking to social media to defend the Jewish state and recently taking his team to Israel to play the Israeli national team. Don't push pause. Coach Bruce Pearl is just around the corner. You're listening to Jewish Insider's Limited Liability Podcast. And welcome back to Jewish Insider's Limited Liability Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Goldberg. My co-host, Jared Bernstein, is off this week. We miss him and look forward to his return. He's not here to defend the horrific Iran nuclear deal that is reported in the press that may be around the corner. I feel bad going on and on about it without him. Should I do it anyways? Maybe I'll give his side to the story. Maybe that'll feel balanced. Oh, I don't know, Jared. I apologize. I have to do it. You know I have to do it. Well, 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 this is going to be even worse than the 2015 deal, Jared, who's not here, but I have to tell you and talk to you like you're here, because in fact, what we have on the table here is Iran getting $275 billion in the first year, a trillion dollars by 2030, no restrictions on missiles still, no restrictions on terrorism. In fact, they were asked to sign a piece of paper saying they wouldn't continue to try to kill American officials like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. They refused to even put that in words. They still get the money, of course. All those advanced centrifuges, they get to keep them just in storage. So their breakout timeline, the capability to quickly produce enough weapons-grade uranium to build a nuclear bomb, goes down from a year under the JCPOA. The administration now claiming six months, maybe, maybe six months uh, under the caps. And all the while, there's this IAEA UN nuclear watchdog probe, an investigation now three and a half years old into whether Iran is hiding clandestine nuclear sites, material, equipment, activities. And that doesn't have to be resolved for Iran to get legitimized again, get all the sanctions relief, get back on track. The sunsets of that last deal were seven years later from 2015, in case anybody can't count. Those sunsets, they don't move seven years. They stay where they're at. So one of them already left in 2020, the arms embargo. Next year, the missile embargo lifts. Enrichment sunsets after that. Oh, by the way, the crisis they don't talk to you about next October, under the JCPOA, the hidden sunset, the United States is supposed to repeal its legislative sanctions against Iran. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Iran's going to say, hey, you're supposed to repeal your sanctions next year, next October. You didn't do it. We want more money. We want something else. This is going to be a complete disaster. And oh, by the way, the Russians, they're back in the picture. Mikhail Ulyanov, the ambassador of Russia in Vienna, he's in the middle of these negotiations. He's, he's talking about this deal, how it's going to be great. Putin just went to Iran. What did he get there? What did he talk about? UAVs are showing up from Iran all of a sudden, helping Putin fight the war in Ukraine. There's a sanctions evasion hub going to be in this deal because if Iranian banks and companies are immune from sanctions and the Russians try to money launder in Iran, can't reimpose sanctions on those Iranian banks. That'd be a violation of the nuclear deal. So this is going to be interesting when it comes to the Congress if the president submits it, as he's supposed to under the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act. He'll have 30 days for Congress to review and potentially pass resolutions of disapproval. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but a lot of debate yet to come. 
Jared, do you have a comment? Who's not here? Yes, Rich. Uh, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see the details. Let's wait and see. You know, we were we were told you know it would be a longer and stronger deal on the horizon, and you know maybe maybe it still could be. Maybe it still could be. Okay, Jared, you think that way. I just love you. I love you, man. I love you. You're not here, but you know I gotta play like there's a devil's advocate. Uh, the the only thing that I'll say positively is that for some short amount of time, Iran may not, in fact, cross the nuclear threshold because they're getting so much money. Whether that's six months or a year, I don't know. And that, in the eyes of this administration, is worth all the downsides of the deal because ultimately they have no military option. They have no willingness to use the military threat, which means that their only choice is a nuclear Iran or paying the racket. And the Iranians appear to know that. Okay, let's move on. Not fair to Jared. Moving on. We have an incredible guest uh, this week. My uh, little monologue just there on the JCPOA doesn't even compare to his. You can go on YouTube and check him out. Press conference he gave on Purim earlier this year. I'll ask him about it. In seven years as head coach at Auburn, Bruce Pearl has led the Tigers to 138 wins, two Southeastern Conference championships, consecutive NCAA tournament berths, and the program's first ever appearance in the Final Four. In his 26 seasons, he has guided teams to the NCAA tournament 19 times. What would be 20 if not for the cancellation of the 2020 postseason and ranks second among active SEC coaches in winning percentage as an NCAA head coach. Pearl is just one of three head coaches to take four programs with three at the Division I level to the Sweet 16. He has set single season win records at four different schools with the most recent coming during the 2018-2019 season when the Tigers amassed 30 victories en route to the Final Four. All of that is great. But why are we having him on this podcast? He's also a proud Jew and even prouder supporter of Israel and its pro-Israel activism while serving in this prominent athletic coaching job that brings him on our podcast today. Coach Pearl, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be with you, Rich. So you're back from Israel with your team. How did you get the idea to take your team to Israel? Well, you know, in 2009, I was the coach of the uh, Maccabi, the, the game's uh, in Israel, representing the United States. And way back then, I, I thought, man, that'd be pretty cool um, to take a college basketball team over there, um, a different responsibility than taking uh, 13 or 14 young Jewish men over there, teach them how to be better Jewish men and better basketball players. And we won gold in 2009. Beat Israel in Israel, which is really hard to do, thank God. And uh, beat them in a championship game. Um, and been working, really, truly working on it ever since. That's amazing. I, I'd love to hear some highlights from the trip. What was it like? Uh, where'd you guys go? You know, any good stories? Well, I've been to Israel several times since, and mostly on Judeo-Christian missions. And um, so I've, I've had a chance to evaluate uh, different tour guides and different sites in Jerusalem and things along those lines. And so we put together just a just an all-inclusive, you know, everything. So we start and we immediately go to the Garden of Gethsemane, excuse me, the Mount of Olives. We walk down to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, we walk up towards the Jerusalem. We walk through the Lion's Gate, pretty much a walk where Jesus walked. And our kids were impacted by that. They were really impacted by that. And we walk through the stages of the cross and 
We watched it, walked to the church in Holy Sepulchre for my Christian players. It very much brought their Bible alive. And if it wasn't their Bible, it was their mom's Bible or their grandmother's Bible. Somebody in their family uh, is a churchgoer. And they got to see and feel themselves. Um, and then, you know, the, the next day, uh, it was uh, the Western Wall. And it was the City of David. And it was Yad Vashem. And we focused on some of the Jew Jewish uh, historical religious sites. And they got that. Um, um, for the players, you know, the highlights were probably playing the games uh, and the Dead Sea and floating in the Dead Sea. I mean, they're kids, right? That was probably their highlight. Um, but I think they absolutely, every one of them was affected spiritually. Some to a great extent, some to a lesser extent, but they were all absolutely uh, impacted. Israel always delivers. It doesn't matter when I go and who I go with, it actually over delivers. And you have a really diverse team, right? I mean, these are people coming from different backgrounds, different, presumably different different areas of the country. Um, you have a, a Jewish player as well. I mean, there, there's, you know, what's the dynamic like on the trip, like between the players? Like, what are the conversations like? What 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 is it like for them? If, I'm assuming really for a lot of them, maybe most of them, first time ever being there. Well, for, certainly, you know, as part of the college experience, getting the guys to travel international, uh, getting them their passports, the world becomes feels like a much smaller place when you can get on a plane in New York and, and be halfway around the world and get off the plane and see and feel some of the differences, but actually really recognize, wow, this feels a little bit more like, you know, California than it does, you know, a completely foreign country. Um, and, um, you know, from a basketball standpoint, not all my guys are playing in the NBA. Most aren't, but Israel, Italy, Spain, those are some of the best countries in the world to play professionally if they can't play in the NBA. And so I wanted them, you know, to see that, you know, but for me as a Jewish American basketball coach, I had, you know, I had, I had a motivation uh, as I do when I bring people over to Israel, uh, which is just part of my mission and part of my passion right now in my life um, is to, is, is uh, we need allies, when I say we, I mean the Jewish people. I mean the state of Israel. Um, and I'm not trying to change the hearts and souls and minds of the people that hate us. Because they hate us. They've been taught to hate us. Um, and and it's really hard to change those minds. Uh, but there are a lot of people that, that don't know, that haven't been affected yet, that are maybe on the fence or that someday are going to face and see some real anti-Semitism or experience some Israel hate. And now these kids are going to be in a position to handle it a little differently because they saw it. They saw it up close and personal. They'll be able to deal with whether it's an apartheid state or not. They'll be able to deal with whether or not it's a uh, a good place or a bad place. And, and honestly, um, you don't need to do much persuading. Just let the kids, let people see it. Let them experience it. Let them see how much the people there love the land, love their history, love their country. I mean, how many, how many 18, 19, 20-year-olds in the world would spend the first three years of their post-high school adult life being willing to go into the army and potentially sacrifice their life for the love of their country? That just doesn't exist anymore. Our guys got to see that and feel that. And they will bring that home with them. And then whatever decisions they make about the Jewish people, about Israel, 
uh, about its its existence uh, and how it is attacked in so many ways. That'll be them. That'll be for them to decide. But they've got a much better perspective now. I think. Where's the fire that that I'm hearing come from for you? You know, is it from your upbringing in Massachusetts? You grew up in a Jewish household that had these kind of values. You know, what? Tell me a little bit about your background and how you come to all these issues. Which I appreciate that opportunity. I do, and 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 I'm uh, you know for for all those that are listening, um, you know, we need to teach our children. Period. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm a coach and I'm a teacher. We need to lead our families. It's, 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 we're commanded to. And I'm grateful that my grandfather, who immigrated over here when he was 14 years old in the early 30s, became a citizen when he was 32 years old. Um, he was an Orthodox Jewish man. He was a plumber. He had pipe grease on his hands every single day. Um, he went to shul, but he didn't wear the same clothes that a lot of the people in shul wore uh, as he wrapped to fill in every morning. Um, uh, he had his pipe, he had his uh, his plumbing clothes on, um, and he was accepted uh, amongst smart men, learned men, wealthy men, different men that were in the synagogue that I witnessed and I observed, um, and I liked that because my papa was a good man and he was he was a man that was trying to get closer to God, and he taught me how to wrap to fill in and. And I had a foundation as a, as a result of him. And now my family kept, we were conservative. I went to Hebrew school. Um, you know, we didn't go to Shabbat services all the time. Um, but I had, I, I, I had, that, I had that, um, that foundation. And we need, again, we, we need to lead our families by example in whichever way we can. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just religious observance. It needs, but it does need to be for the love of Israel and, and simply for the recognition that our people have been through a lot over the years, as much as anybody singled out, whether it was because God shows us uh, and all the responsibilities that uh, came with that or the fact that when Jesus came, we did not accept him as the Messiah. Um, um, and then, you know, lots of different things that have happened historically where the Jews were simply blamed for wars and illnesses and economic crises and you name it. Uh, Jewish, American Jewry needs to recognize that and step up and understand that. And if you don't think what happened in Eastern Europe and Western Europe in our lifetime could happen again, then you're misinformed. You're misinformed. If you don't see how things politically can sway every four years, if you can't see how divided our country is right now, um, and I'm not saying whether left is right or right is wrong, I'm not saying it, but you talk to people that are on the left, they feel as strongly as the people on the right, and both people think the other side is crazy. So don't tell me that something as horrendous as the Holocaust couldn't happen in, 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 in a, in a well-educated country and in a, a prosperous country like Germany. But they had allies. They had friends. They had people that were complicit. And so thank God for Israel because Israel is a safe haven right now for the Jewish people. And, and thank God she can defend herself and is willing to defend herself. It makes it safer and better for the rest of us and the diaspora that are spread throughout the world 
to recognize that we always will have Israel. But it, but nobody under is under greater threat or attack on a daily basis than Israel. Well, that's and, a great segue, Coach. You you, you yep. were there. The team was there, and this latest round of, of uh, fighting was the counterterrorism operations against Palestinian Islamic Jihad were underway, and rockets coming in. Uh, I think you were in Tel Aviv at the time, as I understand. What was it like? I mean, what, what was the players' reaction? Were you aware of what was going on? Were there sirens? Did you have to go to a shelter? Did you think about cutting the trip short? You know, just play it out. What is it like for, for a group of students like that? Yeah, Rich, all of the above. You know, absolutely all of the above. Um, you know, of course, we were, we were, we were there, um, and we were keeping, you know, pretty, pretty up to date. The embassy had kept us fairly well up to date. Bottom line, first thing, we felt safe. Number one, the most important thing I think for people to hear and understand is even in the midst of a thousand rockets, we felt safe. Now, uh, the news reports back home were obviously that Tel Aviv was being bombed. Well, we were in Tel Aviv at the time it was being bombed or there was rocket attacks. Um, and so I had conversations with some parents wondering when we were coming home, not if, but when. Of course, the trip is going to be canceled short. Of course, ESPN is not going to stay in Tel Aviv when you guys are under attack. But while you cannot minimize the incredible potential for death and destruction when, uh, you know, 600 or so rockets are coming across the border, thank goodness for the Iron Dome and the fact that whether it's 99 point whatever percent of the time, the Iron Dome is going to intercept something that's going to come into a populated area. And so, again, we felt safe. Uh, so while we heard some sirens and we did uh, have an opportunity to talk to the guys about if in the hotel you hear the alarms go off, go to the stairways, that's going to be your safe place uh, away from the windows and, and, and closer to the concrete. We never had to actually exercise any of that. Um, we heard the rockets. We heard the interceptions. We even saw puffs of smoke in the air when we were on the beach in Tel Aviv, and and we felt safe. Um, uh, thank God for the United States. Thank God the United States of America, through Congress, um, has appropriated funds for the Iron Dome, because every time we defend ourselves in Israel, it's expensive. Uh, if people are wondering whether or not their taxpayer dollars are at work, and I, I know they are, and some do, why are we spending all this money to support Israel when we got problems here? There are tens of thousands of U.S. citizens working and, 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 and vacationing and living and touring in Israel every day. Tens of thousands. The Auburn basketball team and our traveling party was there. So was ESPN. And the United States tax dollars were at work protecting us. I think the biggest thing we, we want to try to project is, and here's what I told the guys. You'll just, I think you'll appreciate this. In the southeastern part of the country, we have some severe weather. We really do have some severe weather. Um, and it's life-threatening that can come up with hurricanes or tornadoes. We get both. And so when the warning comes on the television set, we typically go downstairs and take some shelter and get away from the windows. I'm not saying rockets are the same. And certainly without the Iron Dome, they wouldn't be the same. But right now, the same things that people do don't... You know, if you're living uh, in Ashkelon or Ashdod or a little closer to Gaza, you got 15 seconds, 20 seconds for your kids in a playground to get underneath a, a, a cement mushroom so they can get away from that. Yeah, that's why they got to build playgrounds that are playgrounds, but also shelters 
at the same time. In Tel Aviv, you know, we're, we're an hour's drive away from the rocket action. If something was really bad, we had time to be, 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 uh, to get into, into shelter. But thank God for the support of our country. And thank God for the men and women that protect uh, Israel and protected all of us. And we say we felt safe. And the most important things, the games went on. Life went on. Uh, curious, uh, your take on the Israel national team, uh, ba- you know, based on your experience there. What, what were your takeaways there? They're good. They're well coached. They run great stuff. They're men. Um, you know what? They they wound up winning their next game against Georgia. And I'm not talking Georgia Bulldogs. I'm talking the country, Georgia. And uh, I think we helped prepare them. Uh, so they were very excited. They were playing and we played in Tel Aviv. We played in Menorah Arena, which is just like an NBA venue. I um, a beautiful, beautiful facility. They had a really good crowd. You know, Danny Aviv played, and uh, they had they had a couple of NBA players there. Uh, we had a great contest. We played hard. We didn't play very well, but we played hard. Uh, but I think the Israeli national team got challenged uh, a little bit, which helped prepare them for the, the the World Games that they're in right now. One of my questions is, you know, obviously there is, especially in college campuses uh, around the country, maybe not at Auburn, but... Um, there are college campuses that have a lot of resistance and the faculty in the student population and the activists on campus in the BDS movement to support for to trips to Israel, to study abroad in Israel. When you announced you were going to take this trip, was there any resistance, any pressure you faced? Uh, I, I, you know, I imagine the SEC is sort of the pro-Israel conference just based geographically. But, you know, was there anything broader out there that you saw, or was it well, mostly supportive? Richard, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and, and I'll get back to a great question, but I'm going to ask you that question. Why would it be your assumption that the SEC, generally speaking, would be in a region that's supportive of Israel? Uh, I, I know where uh, I know where the states that align with Kufi, the uh, the Christian United for Israel, are, are are typically. And listen, I you know my co-host Jared Bernstein's off today, and so he's not here to defend what I'm going to say. So I'll just say it myself. But you know, I would imagine that in certain parts of the country that perhaps are uh, more dominated by evangelical Christians, um, more red states, uh, you'll have more tremendous support uh, for trips like this. And maybe in other parts, in other regions, or conferences, maybe you would see some resistance. Well, good for you. Good for you, because I, you took the words right out of my mouth. And it's not that I'm afraid to speak them and say them. I say it all the time. Thank God for the evangelical Christian community of this country that are biblically commanded to pray for the Jewish people and to defend Israel. And um, that's that's just right there in Scripture. And, you know, to me... As a basketball coach, when I'm trying to bring people together, I'm trying to find things that we have in common. And that's one thing that we have in common with our Christian friends. See, I grew up in Boston. I grew up where that wasn't necessarily, Christianity wasn't, wasn't that way. It was, more, it was more Catholicism. And nothing like that would have ever been taught in the church. Nothing. They wouldn't have ever drawn a connection between Jesus being a rabbi and Jewish and anything that they were teaching. They wouldn't. But for me as a coach, that brings us together. Like, wait a second, my Christian friends, like their God was Jewish? Come on, man. That makes us cousins <laughs> or something, doesn't it? But that's not where some people want to go with it. In fact, there's a lot of replacement theology out there that they can't, he- they can't stand hearing that. It makes them sick to their stomach. 
that their, that their faith, the foundation of the Christian faith was founded in Judaism. Like, get over it. That's the fact. That's the history. That's the Bible. And I love it, and I embrace it. So in answer to your question, um, yes, we were, we were contacted by an organization, CARE, and it's the, um, the Islamic, uh, it's their, their largest civil rights organization. Oh, I'm very familiar with Auburn. CARE. I'm very That's familiar it. with CARE. You're familiar with that? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm very familiar, yeah. All right. So they reached out to Auburn Basketball, Auburn University, and our players, and they, they asked us to do things. One, don't go. Don't go to this apartheid state. But if you're going to go, at least meet with real Palestinians and real people that are oppressed and get to the other side of the story and not do it with your Israeli or Jewish handlers specifically. And what, you know, I get it. So that happened before we left on our trip. And of course the media picked up on it and it got a little bit of play on social media. Um, It didn't get much traction here at Auburn because I think everybody recognized what this organization was trying to do and know what they were trying to disrupt. But I answered it two ways. I got asked a question in a press conference before we left. I said, guys, to my media, and they're very good. The guys that I work with on a regular basis are fair, and they're really good. But they asked me the question, Coach, we've got to ask you this question, you know, because this organization calls you. Are you guys going to do anything different? What are you doing? Who are you going to be speaking with? I said a couple things. First of all, guys, when we went to Italy five years ago, none of you asked me a question about where I was going or who I was speaking with. Why are you asking me this question now? Crickets. Not a word. Well, I guess they felt like they had to because an organization that obviously, uh, for what I'm not going to get involved in what they do and what they don't do, but when they put the word civil rights in their, uh, in their, in their letterhead or whatever, that reaches my players because or that reaches young people on college campuses. They want a cause. Civil rights sounds like a great thing to stand with. Uh, but that's not, that's not what they want. They want the death and destruction of Israel. They want our Jewish brothers and sisters and our children and our wives and our mothers and our fathers to be gone from that land. That's what they want. That's all they want. Well, guess what? We're here, and we're not going anywhere. So get over it. Coach, it's 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 amazing to hear you t- talk like this. Uh, it reminds me a lot. I, I watched a YouTube video of one of your press conferences uh, a few months ago. And you were asked about Ukraine and the conversation, you know, steered through through the Holocaust and never again, and ended up at the Iran deal, uh, which, unfortunately, again, Jared, thankfully not here to uh, to defend the Iran deal, uh, may in fact be alive and well very soon. Um, you know, I, I covered. Uh, Sports. When I was in college, I was a reporter for WNUR Northwestern's radio, and I did plenty of press conferences uh, after games with the coaching staff. I've never seen anything like you. I've never seen anything like this. It, you know, is it, 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 it like? Do you do you feel you know in any way like that this could come back on you? That you know that you you're such a straight talker that you go into these issues that, that you're willing to talk like this. I mean. Do you have the support of the university? Is that why you feel so comfortable doing this? It's an amazing thing. It really is. Well, you know, Richard. Again, when we when we when we say never again, there are so we're so limited in what we can do. Uh, 
I think we all mean it. We all understand it. But what, what can we do? Um, you know what? You do. You do. You do what you can. So, um, I think God's blessed me beyond what I deserve. Um, to be a Jewish basketball coach in Auburn, Alabama, I am grateful. I am blessed. I love this country with my heart and soul. I would give my life for this country tomorrow for what it's done for me and for my family. And I am so grateful for the opportunities. I am sick and tired of people just talking about what this country isn't and how pathetic it is. We elected a black president twice in this country. Can you think of any other democracy or any other country, all these other people that think they're so much bigger and better than we are? I didn't see that happening over there. But rather than embracing it and celebrating it, and for me to be able to talk to my student athletes, guys, I know there's racism. I know there's profiling. I know you still are experiencing high hardships and, and some police, uh, some, some challenges with the police in certain areas. But you know what? No excuses. You can still do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. And there are a lot of people out there that are role models for you to be able to do that. And we should be grateful to our country for those opportunities, so on and so forth. And then so for me, yeah, do I take a risk at Auburn? I do, but they understand that, you know, that, that um, I, I mean, look, there is this freedom of speech and I'm exercising it. Um, and, um, you know, fortunately, God's blessed me enough to be successful enough that they want me to be their basketball coach. Um, to whom much is given, much is expected. I try to serve this community in very, very many ways. And here's what I do. I ask people that don't feel like I do to forgive me for how I feel. And that's one thing that we've lost in our country. No, few people are willing to take a stand because they might be criticized or they might, you know, in some way, look, if you don't want to play for a Jewish basketball coach, I'm not going to hide be, by, by the fact that I'm Jewish. By the way, we have God in a locker room. We have we have the God of the, uh, the the God of Jesus in my locker room. My players are Christian, the vast majority of them. So I have a minister. I have a team pastor. We have Bible study because that's how my players pray. Look, you got to wear it on your sleeve. You do. You can't you can't see it at home right now, but but coach is wearing it on his sleeve. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, tell them what you got on. Tell them what you got on. Well, yeah, I got got, my yeah. uh, Israel 2022, an unbelievable tour. And, uh, and I, I just can't wait, Richard. I'm telling you, uh, we're talking to Syracuse and Duke and Notre Dame and Florida and Georgia Tech and many other college teams around the country that are very, very interested in going back to Israel wow. next year. We've got a wonderful partner in Lee Miller uh, and Complete Sports Marketing, uh, Daniel Posner from Athletes for Israel. Um, I, I do believe uh, that there are like supporting uh, the uh, Maccabi USA, um, like supporting birthright, regular birthright for Jewish kids to go back. This whole birthright for college basketball to bring kids to Israel to give them the opportunity to see it and experience it and, you know, maybe become allies. Um, I think Jewish philanthropy would be interested in how can we, how can we do that? Because guess what? At Auburn, there's not much BDS. There's not much activity here. You're right, because the evangelical Christian community but there is on other college campuses. Who in the world would have ever thought that an organization like Hillel could be targeted 
as something other than just wonderful for Jewish kids to be able to have a Jewish fraternity, sorority, you know, religious, safe place. Uh, not in my wildest dreams. But the other side, and there's another side to all of this, whether it be through faculty or staff or students or graduate students, have been planting uh, and, and uh, admitting and applying to places like this, these uh, institutions of higher learning in our country, they've been doing it for years, and they're deeply embedded. And they've got a different story to tell other than the story that you and I are telling. And so the question is, who's going to stand up to them? And who's going to, who's going to tell, in my mind, the truth, or at least the other side of the story? Because if we don't, young kids on college campuses, when they hear the term civil rights, when they hear the term apartheid, when they hear these other things, they're going to be all, they're going to buy in. And then, then all of a sudden we become a very, very easy target. Well, what I wouldn't give for another five, six, ten Ennis Cantors. And if this is a way to maybe produce folks like that into the NBA, et cetera, who can really influence people, I, I think it's great. I know you work with the U.S. Israel Education Association as well. We'll be talking to them more in, in later episodes. I know you got to get to good practice, Coach. I want to make sure that you have a good season. So quick lightning round questions here, and we'll let you go. Uh, favorite Yiddish word or phrase? <laughs> Shlachta. Shlachta. God, tell, tell us what that means. Well, who's responsible? Who's to blame? Ah, my parents, you say, who's the, who's the shlachta here? I mean, no, there's a lot of great, lot of great I like words. That. I like that. Favorite Jewish dish? Uh, probably. It's hard. You know, it's a toss-up between chopped liver and, and uh, a really good meat knish. Mm, all right. Favorite place to visit when you're in Israel? <laughs> Any place. Any place. I'll tell you and what. I'm going to tell you my favorite place. My favorite places to visit are Judea and Samaria because they're Israel. There you go. Uh, and last one. Uh, greatest Jewish athlete of all time. <laughs> uh, Tal Brody was pretty good. Um, Tal Brody. You know, Hank, Hank Greenberg was a pretty good baseball player. Uh, Mark Spitz was a pretty good swimmer. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, Nancy there's, Lieberman, bo there's books on this. There's books Nancy on this. Nancy Lieberman I think. was a pretty good basketball player. So was Ernie Grunfeld. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of a uh, lot of great athletes out there. And uh, you know, Richard, I, I, I'm great to be with you. And I look forward. I'd love too. to be with you again one other time. And That'd be great, Coach Pearl. Thanks so much for joining us here on Limited Liability Podcast. Appreciate you, Richard. Thank you. If you like the show, help us get the word out to other people. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Most importantly, tell your friends because that's the best recommendation we can get. We'll make sure Jared's on next time to respond. Maybe I'll give him like a five-minute block to just go off on me on some issue without me responding. That, that'll be fair. But until that comes, until next time, this is Limited Liability Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.